Okay. <laughs> what do we say? So we're gonna get let's we'll get started. So um Okay, so we are back uh this week with uh our Wait What podcast. And you will notice it's only Erica and I today. So uh <laughs> a little different. Um, so we don't have the dramatics of wait, what, but that's okay. We maybe will add them in or something, but, um, so Erica and I just wanted to have a, a chat today. So our whole podcast is about taking beliefs, ideas, sayings, anything like that, that are just sort of common Mm -hmm. in life. And we are deconstructing them breaking them down. How do they actually affect us? Who do they affect? What does it mean? And then possibly even like, how could we maybe change the story? How can we change the narrative? How can we, you know, um, change the conversation? How do we have conversation through some of these? You know, um, we have done some, uh, you know, hot topics and we will definitely do more. Um, and so we want to just have conversation. Now, Today is a different day because on um, the last day of February, February 28th, is known as Rare Disease Awareness Day. And so um, anyone that doesn't know, Erica was diagnosed with a, which is actually a rare disease, which we had no idea actually it was a rare disease, Um, except I guess we should have known because no one had a clue. But anyways... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Erica was diagnosed at eight with, um, uveitis and sometimes depending on where it is, it's, that's, it's a disease of the eyes Mm -hmm. in the eyes is what it is. Um, and so depending on some people, depending on where it is in the eye, it can be called iritis. It can be panuveitis. It can be bilateral. Um, you actually have one of the, the rarest, of them, bilateral uveitis. So that's mm-hmm. in both eyes. And so I, I guess what we've read and been told over the years is that like, that is not that common actually is in for both mm-hmm. eyes. So anyways, we wanted to do a special, um, podcast episode today for you, which I know right away that is not comfortable for you because not really. um, out of most of our kids, you probably are one of one of, if not the one that much prefers to be in the back of the scenes and behind yeah. the, behind the camera, so to speak. And so <laughs> I know this isn't like super comfortable yet. Um, you are now 21 yeah, and so it's been a lot of years dealing with this and over the last while you have decided that you want to share your story and and mm-hmm. such and we've had a lot of conversations here um one thing i will say is that at a at a later time we are going to be doing one very similar to this but I'm going to be on the other side of it and mm-hmm. speaking as a parent. This one is all about for you um getting diagnosed very young, growing up, now as an adult, going through like everything through life kind of thing. Yeah. Um 
and, and just, um, so what's your purpose for doing this? Um, oh my goodness. I've thought a lot about this over the last while. Um, I mean, we'll get into this more later, but as someone who has been sick and who, I don't even know what, how to describe myself in relation to uveitis, but, um, because someone looking at you right now, even, or someone seeing you on the street probably would never even guess that you were sick or you had any kind of illness. Yeah. I don't, I don't present as someone who deals with a lot of health challenges. Um, but I know, like, I mean, I've been dealing with this for almost 13 years now. And I remember even from literally being eight and being diagnosed, the story was always, um, you have this so that you can, like, share it with people and you can help people. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we'll go in probably a bit more into that later on. Um, and so basically, like, over the last many years... I would go through periods of starting and then I would stop because what accompanies that also is this belief that if someone who is sick, deals with health challenges, decides to share their story, they are looking for attention. Mm. And, um, I mean, that's like a big part of like me not even necessarily wanting to do this because... I know that's a perception, like, that's a perception I have on myself, too, that, well, I'm just doing this to get attention, which isn't true, um, I actually don't want attention for it, (laughs) but, um, yeah, like, over the last while, I've decided that, I've come to the conclusion that, um, I want to share my story because I know what it feels like to be person with like a rare disease and then even further than that like an invisible illness mm-hmm. like you already said not you can't really tell most times that I'm sick mm-hmm. um and so I know what that feels like to be that person and not have anyone speaking about it yeah um and so I kind of want to Yeah, just, like, share my story for people like me and for families like ours, too, to show that, you know, these things do happen. Mm -hmm. Well, because we want to also do an episode at some point, too, involving the rest of the family. Yeah. Because it's had an impact on the rest of the family. But Mm -hmm. today's about you. (laughs) So um, why don't you do a quick overview, basically, of your story starting when you were eight? Just a quick rundown of it, and then we'll get into what you want to talk about. Okay, so um, it was the summer 2008, and, you know, like, up until that point, um, I mean, our family deals with a lot. They're, you know, throughout our podcast, we will dive into a lot that, you know, our family has gone through, but... In my personal life, my being had never really dealt with anything that I deemed traumatic at that point. Anything, like, serious. It was just kind of an easy childhood. 
yeah. <laughs> how I would describe the first eight years of my life. Yeah. Um, then summer 2018 hit, summer 2008, not 2018, yeah. um, where I started getting sick. So I started getting migraines, um, really blurry eyes. How I describe that to people who don't know what I mean. Because blurry eyes like that has a variety of different, re- different like, meanings. Mm-hmm. Um, the best way I can describe it is, like, when you get out of a pool that's, like, chlorinated, um, mm-hmm. and you look up to the lights, and it's, like, a rainbow around the lights, and you mm-hmm. kind of have foggy vision. I don't know if everyone gets that, but I remember getting that. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what it is all the time, and then it'll get a lot worse, where it's just kind of, like, everything is really hazy and blurry. Um, and so, yeah, I got that. Just kept getting those symptoms. Um, ended up being diagnosed with uveitis, um, fairly quickly. It was, it was actually, um, I don't know, I guess what I consider a miracle because when we ended up at specialists, they were absolutely shocked that an ophthalmologist actually knew to diagnose you. Mm -hmm. Um, and from talking with people around the world, um, over the years, like that is very uncommon. Yeah. So it was yeah. very quick. We went to an eye doctor within hours. We were at the Royal Alec, mm-hmm. uh, the Royal Alex in the eye um, yeah. clinic there. And yep. then in with another specialist because like, it was on a weekend and by Monday you were in with another specialist. So, yeah. Um, so that happens, go to the first specialist and he basically sits us down and is like, yeah, um, you have to do, um, steroid drops mm-hmm. and, you know, that will probably lead to like cataracts and, and glaucoma. Yeah. And you'll probably end up going blind, possibly. That's kind of just how this disease goes. We don't really know what to do. And we walked out because (laughs) that was just, like, kind of outrageous to be telling an eight-year-old that this is just, like, what was going to happen. Well, I had done research. Yes, because of your research. Already. And was in touch with, well, I was on forums around the world, actually, and then in touch with um, a doctor, Dr. Foster, down in Boston, actually, because he has a uveitis hospital down there Mm -hmm. and through contacting a bunch of people and talking like it is just a matter of time if you're on the steroid drops that you will you will have glaucoma and cataracts and this specialist had just said well that's all I know and we that's okay because we have a surgeon in the office who can do that yeah and wouldn't even listen to me but so yes we walked out and like just went you know I I mean, that's the parents. Side, so I'm going to leave the parent side for now. Yeah. But so we found a different specialist though. Yeah. We found a different specialist. He was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting on the first immunosuppressant drug called methotrexate right mm-hmm. away. Um, tried a couple different forms of that. Didn't really work. Moved on to Celsept. Um, stayed on that for... We were trying to figure this out last night. I think quite a while. I yeah. think a little while at least. 
Um, it seemed to work, mm-hmm. I think. And then, you know, like, over those years, my eyes would flare, which would mean um, I couldn't really see, get headaches in the eyes, red, whatever, and, you know, go on the drops, and then it would come down, and it was just kind of like a roller coaster, just up and down constantly, um, until I think it was October 2013 when um, my right eye went completely black, and um, I decided not to tell anyone because <laughs> I didn't want to deal with it, and so I think it was a couple weeks later, after, like, my eye was just black that entire time. Um, it was? Seriously? Yeah. I, think I, I thought it was see, literally like, that morning. No. No, no, no. I waited. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I waited a while. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't believe that. You never told me that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um... So, yeah, we would go to the doctor, and obviously everyone's really upset because I didn't tell anyone, (laughs) and they found out, like, when you go into the, I mean, any, like, ophthalmologist, you have to do this, you do, like, the the reading test, I don't know what it's called, and I couldn't read anything, obviously, in my right eye, and so it was pretty obvious that, (laughs) to everyone involved, that it was, my eye was black. Um... So, he wasn't fully equipped to deal with that, so I was sent to my next eye specialist, who is my current eye specialist, mm-hmm. again, amazing doctor, Yeah, definitely. and then I, th- oh man, then I think I started the oral steroids, I think at that point, continued with the Salcept, oral steroids, um, and kind of over the next, I don't even know, like four years, probably to Christmas 2018, um, like, most of the vision came back in my right eye, I still have, like, a blind spot, Mm -hmm. um, but, again, like, it was just kind of up and down, like, I I would get a flare, go back on the steroids, the drops, whatever, and then it would come down, and it just kind of kept doing that. But (laughs) in high school... Then, well, and it wasn't even high school. It kind of started in junior high, actually. Yeah. But you were at home. We homeschooled. And so I I think it would have actually been a lot worse had you been in school, had you been yeah, going, but I you were at so. home. Because then for grade 10, you decided to go to, home, um, to high school, like to public yeah. school. So, like, looking back now, I think I think it actually would have been a lot worse earlier. Yeah, I think so. Except you were home, so with home, you could rest whenever you needed. But when you went yeah. to high school, then things changed. Not, I mean, you were still dealing, we were still dealing with our eyes up and down and up and down, but then... Yeah, but like, also, my eyes weren't... There were, like, no crisis. Yeah. There was no crises. Yep. Um, but my hips decided to go. And so, throughout high school... Um, I ended up missing about half of the classes because I just couldn't get out of the bed. Like, I don't... So when you say your hips go, like, I totally understand what that means. What does that mean? Um, see, I don't even know how to explain it to people. It's just severe pain where I don't, like, it just hurts. Like, they hurt all the time, but they especially hurt with pain pressure. So I cannot stand up. I cannot move. 
I like so someone says, well, you know, like I have pain. I can I just take some <laughs> ibuprofen or some Tylenol. <laughs> um. Okay. So. I. Oh my goodness. Um. <laughs> we might as well just go there. Right I. Now. One. Those comments are very common. I got a lot of comments like that. Um, unfortunately, that's not how it worked. Um, I took, I don't even, like, over-the-counter, is that what you consider, like, ibuprofen? Yeah. I took, like, the strongest ibuprofen you could get, Tylenol, anything. I took, ended up taking muscle relaxants. We ended up with, you got prescription And then, like, that's what I was going to well. say, like, prescription. Painkillers, muscle relaxants, yeah. like... And everything. none of it touched it. Like, it didn't do anything. So when we're talking like, like this, like what would happen is, for example, like most people, when their kids get past a certain age, they can go to sleep at night and whatever. I have my phone on 24-7. Yeah. Because when it's really bad, mm-hmm. you literally would have to text me to come and help you get to the bathroom. Because, like, and you would, like, lean on me, lean on a chair. Like, we had a chair down here for a while, on walls, like, everything. And even then, it was, like, you were in tears just to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, like, this isn't, we're not talking, like, oh, I can take, you know, some prescription painkillers even or whatever. Like, no. Yeah, like, literally nothing worked. Yeah, like, it was not an option. We would literally, like, prop my bed up. With, like, a pile of blankets and pillows to have my, like, legs up, and I would have to sleep like that because that is the only thing that would even, like, make it manageable to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So. Okay. So then, let's keep going because we want to get into a bunch more stuff, too. But, like, so then after high school, then, um, what is it, 2018, 2019, right in there... I graduated 2017. You graduated 2017, and then... So then, you know, obviously, hip stuff continued. I wasn't able, you know, to do normal things. Comes to Christmas 2018, and we were literally at our grandparents' house for Christmas with them, and I woke up... It was so bizarre. Like, extreme... um, I don't even know, like, vertigo or something. Right. Nausea Mm -hmm. with, like, any slight movement. And we ended up going to the hospital and in with the eye doctor in the beginning of January. And my eyes were flared. (laughs) Like, majorly flared again. Some of the worst that had ever been. Yeah. Um, And so that started off the last two years yeah pretty much two years now almost two years where no it's just over two years yeah since that started um where throughout 2019 i then was put back on all the drugs so they're all steroids you had had to go for iv steroids actually yeah for the first time ever yeah because it just nothing would calm my eyes down yeah they were getting worse and worse. The optic nerve was swelling, and so that... And that's not swells, normal with uveitis. No. That is different from uveitis. Like, uveitis is in the eyes. 
but your now your eyes were flared and the optic nerves were flaring. And yeah. This, yeah. And so when that happens, then you start to lose vision, especially. Yeah. Um, and so it was really like, I don't even know, like severe. Like it was important that we deal with stuff because I was losing vision. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was put back on the cell sub two, the cell sub of like May that year, highest dose that you can do. Um, I was sent for all the tests again. Um, I did a spinal tap and... Because you had constant migraines by this point, too. Yeah. Which was... Like, migraines every day that... The only thing that would even touch it would be ibuprofen, but again, it doesn't Well, we have, like, a... We have, like, an extra, extra... Extra strength ibuprofen, (laughs) too. It's not just, like, a extra strength. It's... Yeah. Yeah. A lot of ibuprofen. Yeah. Um... And my eyes were starting to go black. Random times, yeah. my eyes would just go black for a couple of seconds, a couple of minutes, whatever. And through the spinal tap, um, they found out that I had intracranial hypertension, I think is what mm-hmm. it's called. And so I was put on another drug mm-hmm. called Diamox to stop that. And I think... Then, kind of throughout 2022, it just continued, where, like, we'd start weaning off the steroids because we would think, oh, maybe, you know, like, I can go off them, my eyes are looking good. As soon as we'd get below, like, 10 milligrams, um, my eyes would flare again. And so, that's kind of what has brought, what has brought us to now, where, like, about a month ago, um... I, not a month ago, I was just switched off of Celsep to Humira. Um, it's like a biologic immunosuppressant drug mm-hmm. um, to hopefully stop Which the flares. Which is now an injection. Yeah, it's like an Every injection two weeks, pen. self-injection. So it's <laughs> another whole change and stuff, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so... Yeah. Let's let's go back to when you were younger and okay. some of the messages that you received. I mean, okay. they've kind of in they've some changed. circles they've just stayed. Yes. But they started when you were young. Mm-hmm. So um for example, like um you know, you talked about like being difficult mm-hmm. and um attention seeking, lazy, like what are what are some of the stories that happened with those like um for you um oh my goodness um so the thing again with like rare disease obviously not many people know about them and then you add on that my disease is invisible you can't mm. see it um so people just don't they don't know about it, and a lot of people don't believe that it's a thing, yeah. either. Um, and so, I mean, I kind of got the comments from most people. Like, I don't remember getting them from in the house, in our house, but um, family members would give me the comments that, um, 
you're just being difficult because you say you can't do something, um, you know, like very quickly, I wasn't able to run anymore because, mm-hmm. and I think that was kind of the start of my hip problems that happened before, like junior high even. Yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah, I would just be labeled difficult because, well, you're just, you know, you can actually do it, but you just like. Right. So with that though, because some days you could. See, that's the thing. That's also the thing that makes it so difficult is the thing with illnesses like mine, I can be fine one minute and 10 minutes later I'm in bed not feeling good, not able to move. Yeah. And, and the only way that anyone knows is by you just saying, yeah. Um, I'm done. Like, so for you, like, you know, to go to someone's house, yeah. to go for a hike that people are like, oh, well, we're just going to go for a short hike. Short hike to most people is like 30 minutes, an yeah. hour, maybe. Well, when you're talking about this, where like you could be totally fine and, but mm-hmm. at any minute, you know that you might not be fine again. Yeah. And so, and you were in positions like that mm-hmm. where you got caught in that, in a situation where all of a sudden you weren't fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know how to like really explain situations like that. Like I it's even just hard to, like, rem- like think back on those times because it just, yeah. it sucks. It sucks to be, like, I was thinking about this the other day and, like, like we were saying at the start of the episode, I generally don't love attention. I like to sort of be low-key where, you know, um, unfortunately with my illness that prevented me from doing that all the you know like not all the time but like there were times where that just wasn't possible because I couldn't move like we would go on a hike and I would be in so much pain 20 minutes in that like there was no way for me to continue and so what do you say when you're a child like you can't just stop like I wasn't an adult that could just say I'm gonna go back yeah but even there like you couldn't even walk at times that's the thing Um, yeah, like, it's just, people just don't understand, and so, like, I, I mean, I lost a lot of friends, too, Mm -hmm. um, even the friends that I did keep just didn't get it, like, they would make comments that, you know, like, me bringing my medication to their house was attention-seeking, that I'm just, like, looking for sympathy, when... I have to take this medication so that I don't go blind. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's... It's not attention-seeking. Yeah. Making jokes, too. Yeah, there were a lot of jokes, like, a lot of passive-aggressive comments, um, just about me. And... Well, like, when your eyes were going black, you couldn't drive, obviously. Yeah. Like, you lost... You know, you couldn't... You couldn't because you never knew when your eyes were going to go black until yeah. it was secure and whatever with the medication that then we knew that okay the medication's working 
there's no more black episodes happening so you yeah. can drive so then but there were comments jokes like made about you know like because you would need to get a ride somewhere mm-hmm. or we would and then but then jokes about like oh well i guess you better get walking home or yeah you know stuff like that and like how does that affect you I mean, it sucks. It sucks that these people that you think care about you and that will have your back don't. Yeah. They just don't care. They don't want to care. Um, like, you had conversations. Like, we had conversations and you had conversations with people as see, well. That's the thing. Like, to share... Like, hey, this is what I need. This is what's going on for me. Yeah. You know, which was really hard, too, because, again, you don't want yeah. to share. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Like, so yeah. then that leads into the isolation of, yeah. of how, like, you know, talk about that a bit. Like, for for people with illnesses like, like you. Like. Yeah. <sighs> This is something I didn't really understand until very recently. Um, and I think I'm still starting to, still continue to understand it. Um, because I've always been, like, an introvert. And I've always liked and needed alone time. Um, and so I always felt so weird, you know, throughout, um, like, childhood years and then like, going into high school when, like, I would have to be alone, and I would be so sad because Mm -hmm. I had to be alone, and it didn't make sense to me because I was always, like, but I like to be alone, (laughs) and it's, like, it's just, it's a weird thing when, when you, like, have to, you know, and you're kind of put in in, like, forced isolation, where it's, like, um, like, I, you know, like, when you can't walk, I can't go do a lot of things. Like, I declined going out with a lot of people, hanging out with a lot of people, because I couldn't physically do it. Yeah. Um. Well, and if you're not safe with those people, to know that, like, hey, I'm done, and it's not a matter of, like, you know, we were talking about this um, the other day, too, of how, mm-hmm. like, for most people, yeah. you know, you go out and you're with people and, you know, like, we all, even if we're a people people person, yeah. whatever, we all sort of hit a point at some point where we're like, okay, we're kind of done now. Like, yeah. I'm kind of done. I need to go. For you, like, there's no warning. It's like, no, you know, you can be fine one minute, but then within seconds it can be like, no, your body shuts down. Yeah. So how, and then how, like, how do you say that you're going to go with people that you know aren't going to have your back yeah. and aren't going to, like, take care of you that are then actually going to make fun of you or that? Yeah. Like, you know, of course, but then already the isolation, you already are isolated because you can't do the stuff. But then once in a while when you could actually do the stuff, because then that also lends to mm-hmm. comments that come that go like, well, but you went out yesterday. So, yeah. you know, or teachers at the school that were like, yeah. well, you were fine yesterday. Yeah. Or you just missed a whole week and now you're fine. Like, 
now you're not fine, now you're fine. Like, yeah, I mean, like, high school was very hard. Like, and I didn't even realize it at the time. And, like, mm-hmm. I didn't really realize it until very recently. Um, for a few different reasons. One, like, the isolation of it again. Like, because, you know, you start to build friendships. Mm-hmm. Which, at least for me, like, in high school, it was fairly simple to create friendships just in class. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, you create these, like, routines where you meet up with these people at lunch and you do all of these things together, you do the projects together, whatever, and then, well, what happens when you're gone for two weeks? Yeah. Well, those friends move on. Yeah. And so when you come back, they're obviously, because they're not going to wait around, Yeah. but then you don't have anyone anymore. And so it's like, it's like you're almost, you almost have like the first day constantly. Oh. Where like you're starting over, but you're sort of not because you still have that like, you have like the reputation of mm. being gone, but you also, yeah. it's like, you're sort of creating new relationships. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And with the teachers, like you had mentioned, I mean, you know, I had a teacher who, I mean, she was, yeah, I had a lot of female teachers saying she, okay. Um, she was one of my favorite teachers and I, I mean, I liked most of my teachers, but, um, yeah, like she had a sit down with me and yeah, which I didn't even know about, um, (laughs) kind of just went into how I'm lazy and I just decided not to show up and, she was kicking me out of the class because I just wasn't keeping up with everyone and she just, like, wanted me to get together. Um, Which then also, you know, cut all my relationships in that class because everyone... Like, by the end of high school, that was kind of my reputation with some people. Right. Was just the girl who doesn't show up and who's lazy. So, like, what would you want to say? What would you want people to know? Like, like, how could things have been different? I mean, I think it's so hard because in those situations, a lot of people will go, um, well, I don't know how to believe you because people make stuff up. Um, and so, unfortunately, because, sure, there's a few, like, that does happen occasionally where people do make things up, but then that reputation is put on people like me, where it's like, well, we don't see it, so you must be one of those people that just, just skips, just makes things up. Um, I mean, also, I think there's a lot more to that, too, but, um... I think the biggest thing is just, like, believing people. Right. You know, like, you just don't know. Like, and that's so cliche to say, because everyone says that. But it's like, you don't know what's going on with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, no one knew. I didn't talk about it at all. No one from my school knew what I was dealing with, knew the disease, knew anything. Yeah. 
So, like, just some compassion. Yeah. Would be amazing. And, like, people don't need to know all the details to have empathy for someone. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can just be empathetic to someone. Yeah. Without having to know details. And then, yeah. you know, that. So, yeah. Okay, so let's move on to okay. um, taking medications. Oh, my. Okay. Um, so you've had to take medications basically since you were eight there. We like, it ranges anything from like when you were, when you were like in, which we call acute flare, mm-hmm. um, you would have to do drops every hour Yeah. during the days. You'd have a salve at night that then you couldn't even see yeah. through. Um, you had then oral medications that you would have to take pills or, um, you know, then, yeah, like methotrexate, it was an injection for a while as well. Um, but like, these were like daily things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the drops and all this, and then drops, like sometimes they'd be in every hour, but then they'd sometimes they'd be every two hours or every four hours or every, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of thing. And so you shared with me just a while ago <laughs> that there was a long period of time, like that you didn't take medications, which some of the times I knew. Yeah. But what was the reason that you didn't take the medications? <laughs> um, okay, so, yeah, like, I have a long history of taking medications, obviously. Um, like you said, a lot of different medications. And, I mean, at the start, when I started taking medications, I couldn't swallow. <laughs> like, that is the most, that is, like bizarre to remember now mm-hmm. like 13 years later where I have had to swallow up to I don't even know like 30 pills a day sometimes more yeah. than that actually but I'm not yeah. going to remember <laughs> um and I'm fine but like yeah. at eight I could not swallow like I don't know how to express well, to people like I don't know who how many kids are <laughs> swallowing pills at eight eight years old most yeah, that's aren't. true like, that's not a normal thing. Like, that's, you know. Yeah. There's a reason why there's liquid and chewables for <laughs> kids of stuff. Like True. Um, but then the kind of progressed where, like, there were long periods of time, um, even last, even up to last year, where I wouldn't take my medication. Um, and I didn't understand why for so long, too. Like, I felt so bad about it. Um, I mean, like, everyone will get so mad at me, too. Because it's like, you're putting your health in jeopardy here. Like, just do it. And this is as recent as, like, last night having a conversation about this. Some stuff that you need to be taking, that you should be taking, (laughs) and you're not. Yes. But I think it's really important to know, like, that this has affected you for 13 years. Yeah. Wasn't just a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> I totally, I actually like did forget about that. Okay. I was saying that. I'm just um, like leave that out. So where did it come from, though? Um, so I realized recently that it came from this fear of being difficult, mm-hmm. um, which I think is probably more common than not in the like health, not health, like the illness community, Mm. um, 
because, like, back to the comments, I would get comments that, again, like I said at the beginning, that, oh, you're just, like, attention-seeking. You're just, like, difficult. Because, like we said, I would have to take medication at specific times. I went to a camp where I had to have the leaders do medications for me. Yeah. Um, I would have to have friends do medications for me sometimes. Because... Yeah. Like, I just couldn't... Like, it wasn't, like, the swallowing. Like, there are... Like, the sap, I couldn't do that on my own. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is that it? Anyway, there were just certain things that, like, I had to have someone else do. Mm-hmm. And the comments that came with that always were, you're just being so difficult. Yeah. You know? Like, it was a bad thing. And so I... A lot of times I wouldn't even take my medications to someone's house because I didn't want, I didn't want the comments. You don't like attention. Yeah. In the first place. And then to get, you know, even more attention because someone's calling you out and not really not believing you and not just having empathy for you. Yeah. And stuff, which, you know, like... Unfortunately, like, I have heard that. That's, that is very common, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. Instead of just, like, having empathy for someone and going, like, oh, my goodness, like. And, I mean, realistically, my medication wasn't that big of a deal. But, yeah. but it was to them, and, you know, like, it took a couple minutes out of their day and whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let's um, let's go into how then that translates into even now about um, as you've grown up with mm-hmm. this and you know like no one ever no one ever talked to us about yeah down the road like there's just always like oh well you know, we can fix this. We can, mm-hmm. you know, the sort of the infinite search for the cure, <laughs> you know, I know that's a whole thing, Yeah. but how then as those comments kept coming, as you got older and stuff too, how it then changed and affected you differently, um, as to now being 21 and, um, not having the, um, normal life yeah. of, you know, hey, where are you working? Where are you mm-hmm. going to school? Yeah. And how does that, like, how does that affect you? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's no one's, like, it's it's not a bad thing that when someone asks you that, that, that doesn't know. Because no. obviously they, they're, how would, how would they know? Yeah. You know, there's no way to know. But mm-hmm. the people that do know and, and that, then... Yeah. You know, like, how does that affect you now and going forward? What do you want people to know? Yeah. I mean, that's such a hard, hard thing. Um, Again, like, I didn't realize that was a thing until I graduated. Um, You know, like, there's kind of a life plan that... (laughs) you're just kind of expected to follow and everyone expects to follow it or most people do, you know, like Mm -hmm. you, you go to school, you graduate, then you probably get a job. Well, 
you get a job in high school, graduate, go to school, get a job, you probably buy a house, buy a car, have a family, like, all these things, you know, like, your life is mapped out, mm-hmm. and I just kind of always expected it would be like that, because, mm-hmm. you know, no one talked to me about that my illness could continue after graduating, and that, like, that, that it could, um, get worse, even. Yeah, get worse, <laughs> but also, like, um, get in the way of those things. Mm. Um, you know, like I graduated, I had a job, um, but I had to quit because I couldn't, like, you can't call in sick randomly to, like, shift jobs. Yeah. You can't do that. That doesn't work. Um, and so, like, now, I mean, I don't have a job. I'm not going to school. That was another thing. Like, I was actually accepted to a university, Mm -hmm. um couldn't go because my health like I can't like it was in another city like I can't go to another city when there's a possibility I couldn't be walking right like that just well and there was like there was sometimes where it was days that's the thing of that you can't you can't just be in a dorm room for days yeah you know not walking not being able to get anywhere to do anything yeah and whatever so um yeah yeah, so, uh, wait, what did you, like, how did that affect me? Yeah, like, what, like, and what do you want people to know, like, about that? Like, how, how to, um, how to have a conversation, or how to, yeah. I mean, first, I'd say just to not expect that everyone is going to follow that plan. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like after I graduated and, uh, for quite a while after, and I mean, there's still, that still is sort of prevalent, not as much as right after I graduated. Um, but my mental health got really bad, mm-hmm. um, because I couldn't do what I, what I was supposed to be doing, quote unquote. Yeah. Like... I, and you already knew that it's not like you needed people to remind you. Well, that's the thing too, is like, you know, I had people close to me, very close to me, um, make comments, make jokes, make, you know, like that I wasn't going anywhere with my life that whatever, you know, just these, these comments that again, (laughs) You just don't understand. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that's one thing I wish, um, like looking back that I had known, you Mm -hmm. know, like before graduating that this, that I wouldn't just have that, you know? Yeah. Um, I think the other thing too that I almost want to help create is... Just, like, other options. Because that's the thing now. It's, like, um, you know, thinking about what my life is going to look like, there's no, like, blueprint. Right. There's nothing. I don't know how it's going to work out, which obviously no one knows how their life's going to work. But there's just no examples to follow. Yeah. Um, And I'd love... 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I remember you saying a while ago um, that you said, like, what if we actually created our world around, like, just for everyone, actually? So instead of having things like, oh, well, now we need movies to have um, yeah. captions. Like, why don't they just all have captions? Yeah. You know, why do we have to have, why are, for example, this I found out, which I had no idea in the last couple of years, um, mm -hmm. was that federal buildings are the only yeah. buildings that actually have to have disability access in them. Provincial Crazy. buildings, schools... Any other buildings don't have to have any kind of, don't have to mm -hmm. have any kind of regulations like that. Like they don't have that. Yeah. What if we just had those for, yeah. like, instead of not, like, then it could be just more inclusive for everyone instead yeah. of having those, those things. So one thing I do know that you really like to talk about and we're going to be doing more on podcasts and stuff is mm -hmm. surrounding um religion and stuff and i know oh, this is yes. a big one that i know you want to um talk about yeah is is that is sort of so one piece of it being like um which is not necessarily to do with religion but i think it can get us into that mm -hmm. is you know when when someone hears your story everyone wants a victory story Everyone wants the victory. Yeah. Everyone wants the miracle, wants the whatever. <laughs> yes. And and then there's a whole huge thing, and maybe we'll just do another whole episode on this, okay. on it, around the, the faith and health and the intersectionality of that. Because yeah. I think that, that really, I think, could just be another whole yeah. episode, really, yeah, because it could also, I mean, I can talk about that. Mm -hmm. Kaylee can talk about it, too, because, you know, yeah. we've all dealt with that. But, um, just a bit with that, like, so, you know, I know that you would, again, you don't like attention, mm -hmm. but people would just, what? Okay. So <laughs> we, I grew up in like the Christian church in like a non-denominational sort of like evangelical church. Yeah. That's how I would describe it. And both of our family is very immersed in Christianity. Like <laughs> there's just a lot of a lot of ties mm -hmm. um, to the religion. And so obviously we grew up, I grew up a lot around a lot of religious people. Mm -hmm. And you know, in that community, prayer is huge, huge. Right. It's powerful, it's whatever. Um, and so when I got sick and continuing for the next, until now and into the future, yeah. um, everyone prays for me, which I don't know how to say this. I don't love being prayed for in general. That's kind of like a, another topic, mm -hmm. but what would happen is I would go to church, our church, someone else's church, a relative's church. And random people that I didn't know, or people that I did know, would just come up and, like, put hands on me and start praying. Or they would, like, bring me over to, like, stand in a circle of mm -hmm. people praying for me. Right. Again, random people, also people really close to me. Yeah. Um, 
And it always made me very uncomfortable. Um, and it wasn't just about the fact that you don't like attention. No, that's the thing. Like, what else did, what did that say to you? <laughs> See, like, this kind of goes also to the, um, like, the perpetual search for a cure, you know? Um, mm. Again, I don't think I said this at the beginning, but, like, what I say, my story, everything throughout this episode is only speaking for me. This is not mm -hmm. speaking for anyone else yeah. at all. Um, but for me, what that says, the, the search for the cure, the constant prayers, it's that, like, I'm not enough until this is done. Yeah. I mean, like, there was always a belief that, you know, my life starts after this, that mm -hmm. there will be a cure, that there will be a miracle, that there will whatever, and we just have to get there, and then everything can start. Unfortunately, that's not how my story went. You know, like, some people do have that miracle cure, the whatever, and that's so amazing, but that's not my story. Mm -hmm. And so people coming up constantly, even as of, like, before COVID, obviously, um, would just, like, come up and pray for me. And, you know, I don't have a problem with people deciding to pray for me, um, like on their own time, <laughs> like I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah. I, I know that it's coming from a good place. Um, but it's just like, it's this lack of consent that really bothers me as well. Mm -hmm. When you just come up to someone and decide for them that they need to be cured. Right. Why do I need to be cured? Like, no, which almost could be, like, a whole nother topic, too, but, like, I didn't even really realize that until last year, too, that mm -hmm. for sick people, there's this expectation that you will be cured and that you want that. Mm -hmm. Um, no, don't get me wrong. My health stuff sucks. It is hard. I, like, I think that's fun. a piece that, unless you've dealt with health stuff, you can't even understand this. Yeah. Like, you can't, but to be told from little, basically, that there's yeah. something wrong with you. So it's the thing, it's like, and again, there's a lot of other things that that messaging is told towards. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's like, you are just not enough, not mm -hmm. good enough, until this piece is gone. Right. Right. And that's, that's a lot, like, for a child then to deal with, like, over yeah. all the years. Like, so, what do you want, what do you want people to know? Like, um, obviously, we haven't, like, we've not even <laughs> scratched the surface. Like, I literally have sheets and sheets yeah. written, not even scratched the surface. So I think we need to do another one anyways. Yeah. To really, and I mean, some of these I think we're just going to put on their own even into podcasts and stuff because I really do think it's so important for people to understand that. But, yeah. um, like, what do you want people to know? Like, what people in your place, I guess there's sort of two messages, yeah. right? Yeah. So. I mean, I guess speaking to people in my position 
that are dealing with any health challenge, um, more specifically, like, health challenges that are invisible, because that's really what I know about. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't have an obvious health issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know. I... Hmm. I hope that... I just know how hard it is, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to compare my situation to anyone else because all of us are very different, mm-hmm. um, but I know what it's like to have um, challenges that people don't understand, mm-hmm. and pe- and some people don't even try to understand, Yeah, you know, and I know how isolating that is, and I hope that anyone in that situation would just feel a bit seen, you mm-hmm. know, like, I know that's how I've felt when I read of someone's story or I hear someone speaking about it, mm-hmm. um, that's, like, even similar to mine, um, yeah. yeah. And what about to everyone else? <sighs> I mean, I think you said it earlier, really, too, was just, like, you don't know, and... Today, actually, when we're recording this, is actually anti-bullying day. So, you know, and and one of the big sayings that's going around is, like, you know, if you can be anything in this world, be kind. Yeah. Yeah, I just... (laughs) I get that, you know, you can't understand until you've been here. A lot of people don't understand that. You can't understand. Maybe that's the thing. Please accept that you can't understand. Mm. You know, and, like, you can have empathy while you don't understand. You know, like, a lot of people I've had throughout my life go, oh, yeah, like, I have, like, a, like, my foot hurts sometimes. I get it. And it's, like, one, we don't need to compare. Also, you don't get it. You don't get it. Like, and that's okay Mm -hmm. to not get it. And to still be there. Yeah. I don't need you to get it. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, And that's hard because we want to fix. Yeah. Especially as parents. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I think anyone. Like, we want to just help people. Yeah. You know? I think a big part, too, is that people don't know how to sit in those contracting emotions. Yeah. Those uncomfortable feelings of, like, we just, we don't teach that. Mm-hmm. You know, like how to just sit with someone when you just, when you're just like wanting to come out of your skin because there's nothing you can do for that person, you yeah. know, and that. And so there's a, there's a saying that we have in like with emotional intelligence and stuff we're doing mm-hmm. that I'm doing. And it says, accept first, then seek to understand. Yeah. And that's really what you were saying is yeah. you don't have to understand. Yeah. But we can accept and we can be kind and have yeah. empathy. Yeah. So we definitely have more to talk about. Yeah. We but we're going to have to leave it for, <laughs> for today. So, yeah. We, we will 